0: Sunday night is your service. I would definitely encourage you to watch the video of this morning's message. Pastor Rick did just an incredible message on fear and how fear holds us back. And it's just a timely word right now in America as we're coming out of 2020 and out of that entire season. How do we shake the fear off of our life? But God put a message on his heart for tonight that was different than this morning. And so we invited people that felt the Lord bringing them back to come back tonight. Because there's a very uh, important message for all of us tonight. that God wanted to do something inside of us. And so if you did miss this morning, you can watch it online but I'm glad you're here tonight. Pastor Rick is one of our five overseers as a church. Uh, Again, if you weren't here this morning, he's one of the five pastors that are over my life that care for me, that love me, that rebuke me, discipline me, watch out after me, keep me healthy as a leader. And I, I can honestly say... Many people have emailed me, called me, texted me that 2020, God used Coastline in a very special way during 2020 in their life, kept them strong, kept them connected, kept them engaged in the faith. And it was a very awkward, unusual year. Well, if 2020 meant a lot for you and this church was instrumental in your life, then I have to say with all my heart, I don't don't even know if we would be here tonight without Pastor Rick because he played such an instrumental role in my life during 2020 in so many ways from coaching me on how do you lead during this season? With everything going on, we've never been through anything like this. What do we do and how do we pastor our church? And he was on the phone with us, calling us, Zooming us, texting us, and just in every way made me a better leader last year. And so we, we as a church have a huge debt to this man uh, for the very fact that we were able to thrive last year in the midst of everything. But it's because of overseers like this who guard, protect, and love our church. So would you welcome him tonight, Pastor
1: Rick Bazette? <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, hey. Oh, come on, man. Wow. Thanks for that introduction. I like myself better now after hearing all that. And, uh, well, God is good. Turn to the person next to you and say, You worship good, but you sing terrible. Tell them that.
2: Woo-wee.
1: Man. Yeah, we spoke on fear this morning and uh we hit it straight up. I was really afraid to speak that sermon. <laughs> I'm kidding. And uh but this this particular sermon is something that a lot of you do not think you need. And so let me just go ahead and put that out there. Uh you're gonna think this is for someone else. And um we talked about this earlier when we were talking about fear. Maybe this is a good sermon for someone else. Uh, but then you realize that it was for you, I think that there's a chance that maybe you will not know that it's for you until we sum it up in Scripture. And so it would be better because the Bible teaches that you should be anointed when you speak, and your pastor certainly is. And the way he loves the Word, man, this brother studies, he's smart, he loves the Word, he loves his family, he loves this church, the leadership here the way that they hold sacred the word and also integrity. Would you give God some glory for all that? Because that just doesn't happen every day. And so I do know I do know what is happening behind the scenes here to a major degree, not in every way, uh, but this is a safe place. When you drop off your kids, you look around and you say, is this a safe place to drop off my kids? And you should. Uh, but in this room as well, not just there. And uh, this is a good place. This is a good place just to dig in and just put your heels uh, down into the ground here and uh, and stay here for a while because the hand of God is on this church. The early church, the Bible says that the hand of God was with them and many came to believe. And uh, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to give their heart to the Lord in this place, they're going to be discipled here, uh, God's going to do miracles in, the, in their lives and in their, their confidence and in their faith, and, uh, and if you don't believe that, you just stick around and watch, and then you, we'll, we'll show you later, uh, but it's this is a good church, amen? So I'm going to talk to you today, I'm going to talk to you today about forgiving others, because a lot of people make us mad now. How many of you got, Matt, let's just do it this way. How many of you met someone last year? 2020, y'all remember that? Anybody remember 2020? (laughs) And uh, did you run into anyone who made you a little mad? Okay. And then the Lord has the audacity to say, forgive them. What up with that? So I'm going to break that down for you. In my office, and uh, I... I alluded to this at the earlier service, but I, I like Reese's peanut butter cups and being a Christian and all. And uh, but but there's this like I have these certain candies that are in my office and they're 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 covered with with Dove chocolate. It's like Reese's with 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 a little extra godliness. And uh, and so it's chocolate doves with peanut butter inside. And man, so. Anyway, I always have to watch what I'm eating. Like uh, uh, I'm trying to lose 20 pounds, and I'm here to, to, to admit that I only have 30 pounds left to go. <laughs> and, uh, but in, inside of my office is these these. Can- but I can't eat them because if I eat one, I will eat all of them, and there's usually about 50 in that bowl. So I don't eat one. But I've, I've noticed that if I'll wait and go out to my truck and then eat it, that I'll get out of my truck, go back in, and eat another. But if I wait and drive, like, to the end of the parking lot and then eat it, then I'll turn around and go back to the office and get out of my truck and then eat it. But if I go a mile down the road, I will stop and think about it, but I don't go all the way back. So the question would have to be, why do I have them in my office? I mean, you have to go there, right? I think I just like looking at them. Well, the topic of today is sometimes when you have an odd against someone else, you kind of build a life around it. You almost feel like it's your responsibility. You like looking at it through those set of lens. But what you must know is that the, the gifts of God that he has for you, they're literally turned off when you live that way. Now, fortunately, later on, I'm going to teach you what forgiveness is not. So you will be more interested in forgiving other people because a lot of you don't even know what it is. So I'll teach on that later on. But, for example, a church and their primary responsibility is to win souls. And, uh, and I'm convinced that if you become a bitter person, you haven't won anyone to the Lord lately. I'm not trying to condemn you in that because it's not my style And it's not the style of the word either. But conviction is from the Holy Spirit, Uh, condemnation is from Satan, the enemy. Condemnation shows up when you make a mistake, and it says, see how you are? You're not right with God. You see how you are? You say you're a Christian. Even during worship a while ago, you were trying to worship the Lord, and you remembered a mistake, and then you felt like a loser. That's the enemy. Conviction shows up when you make a mistake, and it's always trying to draw you to the Father. Shows up in the same place. Condemnation tries to leave you there to die and rot, but conviction from the Holy Spirit is always saying, look, you blew it. Repent from that let's get close to the Father. we got to go. Now, why is the Holy Spirit? is like the anesthesiologist before the surgery. Like he's a comforter, and he just gets you at a place where you realize, wow, I trust God uh, more than anything else. Can I have an amen? Amen. All right, so souls. Uh, I love telling this story. Uh, I mentioned a little bit about it one time when I was here years ago, but I have a daughter named Haley, and she's very strong-willed. And uh, raise your hand if you're strong-willed. Okay, the real strong-willed people will only raise their hand if they want to. <laughs> All right, it's like depends on their mood. And uh, but Haley, when she was uh, when she was 12 years old, she didn't like the way her teeth were coming in, and so she she we got home one day and she goes, uh, "Mom, Dad, I, I need some braces." And we said, "Well, uh, maybe we could make an appointment to the orthodontist and see." She goes, no, I already, already called and, and made an appointment. <laughs> I don't even know, know the phone number. How did you figure this out? And so we took her, and while she was in there, true story, I mean, this is exactly how it went. You're going to not believe me, but this is how it went. All right. So we, we we went in there, and he studied her mouth, and he goes, "You're right. You do need braces, but you got to wait. You have a baby tooth who's halfway grown in, and when it goes, when it falls out, then you can get your braces." And she goes, "You mean I have to wait?" And we're like, "Haley, chill." She, he said, "Yes, it's not going to be that much longer. A few months and..." She goes, no, sir, I want braces now. You don't understand. I want to get them now. And he goes, you got to wait. So Michelle went to pay the bill, way too high of a bill. And, uh, and Haley went in the bathroom and started punching that tooth until she snapped it. And she put it in her hand, and with blood coming out of her mouth and in her hand, went and found him and said, uh, it's out. They still call her the Tooth slayer to this day. And uh, so I raised her. But when she was four years old, it was four, yeah, it was four or five years old, she saw a movie, uh, a Hallmark movie, which there's two kinds of movies. You have good movies and Hallmark movies. And so she was watching that movie. And it's uh, and, and, uh, really hard to predict those Hallmark movies, right? I wonder if they'll kiss. Yes. I wonder if they'll get mad at each other. Yes. I wonder if they'll end up together. Yes. So anyway, uh, yes, I watched two of them with my wife. And uh, so she watched this, and this 13-year-old girl ran away from home, and she thought, I want to run away from home, but I don't want to wait until I'm a teenager. I want to do it now. And so she's just making this up in her mind. She goes, but I can't do it. My parents are always paying attention where I am, except for at night when I'm sleeping. I'll go at night while I'm sleeping but I don't wanna go alone, I'm gonna bring my four year old brother with me. And uh, so she packed the wagon before we didn't even know, put uh, her, her two year old brother's diapers in there, she put her dolls in there, some Skittles, cause you can't leave without a little bit of candy. And uh, so in the middle of the night, she, she woke up at like one or two in the morning, not from an alarm clock, she was four, it was her strong will that woke her up. It was just like, it's time. And she goes in there to try to get her two-year-old brother. He said, I'm too sleepy. She called him a loser and went down and grabbed the wagon. Michelle and I were asleep. I hate this story. We were sleeping. She grabbed that wagon and she left our cul-de-sac. She went to the end of the road and took a right and then another right and then a left to a four-lane highway. In her 90, pulling a red wagon. She went a mile down that road. And we didn't know we were sleeping. So a lady pulled over and said, hey, young lady, what are you doing? She goes, I'm running away from home, and this is so much fun. (laughs) And the lady said, is everything okay at home? Yes, ma'am, just having fun. It's an adventure. And the lady said, listen, you get in a car, and I'll take you home. She said, ma'am, I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers. (laughs) But you can walk freely up and down this highway. Your family is whacked. So she turned around. She followed. It's really a long story, but there was a knock on the door in the middle of the night. Michelle and I went down, and we couldn't see. I had a door where you couldn't see outside, and I said, who is it? In a stranger's voice, this lady said, I have your daughter. I said, well, you don't have my daughter. My daughter's sleeping. Who is this? No, I really think I have your daughter. Listen, my daughter's sleeping. Who is this? You have the wrong house. And it was at that time I heard my daughter, Haley say, "Dad, it's me. Open the door!"
2: <laughs>
1: Open the door, and Haley's there." I started thinking the lady, and they told me the story I just told you. And I tried to give her stuff like our cars, you know, I was so happy. And that's the end of the story. But here's what I want you to think about. What if Haley would not have returned? I know this much: I would still be looking for her. I'd probably have been in the news. Maybe they would have thought I killed her or something. I don't know. I've thought about that. But I know that I would still have a landline. Which, you younger people, that's actually it's like a cell phone, but it plugs into the wall. (laughs) And uh, and I would still have that. And I would I would answer. I would run to the phone if it rang. I would run to the phone. My goodness, she's twenty seven years old now. I'd still be there. I wouldn't even say hello. I'd just say, Haley! Every day I would get up and look for her. And here's what I want you to know. I would pick my friends based on who was helping me find her. And thus you have the church. And I just want to tell you, when you're a bitter person, you're not looking for lost people. You're either looking for revenge or some sort of of, Settlement. And it's a horrible place to live. So I want to bring this down. I'm going to unpack this as bold as I possibly can. Earlier today, I was telling the people who came to the earlier service that I was raised in a legalistic church. and My Sunday school teacher just was always yelling at us, You're going to hell. Hell is hot, hot. hot. She said, she said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, not if you're going to be there. (laughs) That was, that was the truth. But the thing is, that I just never knew that God wanted me around. But on this subject, this is a subject where you get God around more. Forgiving others. And I, and I find that, uh, for example, when I first got married, Michelle and I, she's just an incredible woman. I wish you could meet her. And, uh, but man, when we were dating, it was like, gosh, we, how we, we just felt like everything was in common. Like, you eat, I eat too. I like food. <laughs> you, you sleep at night, I sleep at night. You go to church, I go to church. So, it, but it wasn't real. We, we, we were opposites. And opposites, you know, at first they attract and then they attack. And uh, because in every marriage, you you have one who's an early riser and one who's a night owl. You ever thought about that? One who's daring and impulsive and the other is cautious. You have one who's, I play by the rules, and the other is, what rules? Don't even read the rules. Let's go. You have one that loves to talk. Like they just, the words join together. It's like a hum after a while. And you have the other who just grunts. Grunt. You have one who loves to spend money, and the other is a tightwad. You have one that loves to cuddle, and one's a porcupine. You have one that loves sex, and you have another who's stupid. And uh, so you have all these things. You have all these things. They did a study on when men like to be intimate, and it's the days of the week that start with a T. Tuesday and Thursday, today and tomorrow, and Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> All right, enough of all that. Let's get to the Word. All right? I want you to write this down. If you have a pen, if you have an iPhone, if you have a memory. God may never be more revealed in your lifetime than when you decide to forgive someone who is not worthy to be forgiven. Again, God may never be more revealed to you in your life than when you forgive someone not worthy to be forgiven. I want you to keep that in mind. Now, here's the problem. Some of you have been hit so hard in life. So let me just go ahead and be on the same page with you for a second. Here's my compassion. Here's the Jesus side of it first. Some of you have been... Physically abused. I've never had that happen, but I have a lot of friends that have. And I know that would be tough. Some of you have been verbally abused. You know, I'm sure I've had it happen here and there, but I can't think of a day where it happened. But I know that it's real, and I can't relate to that, but I get it. Some of you have been sexually abused. I also have never had a moment like that. I do know that one out of every five people have. It's one out of every four girls. And so I don't stand in front of anybody acting like an expert. But I know that I can't imagine, you know, it's just not the way that we were created to have to deal with. So I understand the pain to a degree, not like you do. Um, And then some of you have been spiritually abused. And uh, I've had that happen. And I understand what it's like. You know, it's like just a pause in your life. And uh, so I get that. So uh, the best way, I love teaching the Word, so I'm going verse by verse on this one, man. But before I do, I want you to think about Jesus on the cross, okay? We call it Good Friday. You ever heard of that term? Well, it wasn't the greatest Friday for him. He was going through a lot. He would have called it good because he was doing something for you. But what was he doing for you? He was forgiving you for sins that you've already committed and sins that you will commit. And uh, he went all out. I don't know how much of his blood he had to shed, but I know it had to be a lot. I know it had to be a perfect sacrifice. I understand uh, a sacrifice and an offering has to be, there has to be bloodshed, but he went all out. He was unrecognizable as a human, and here he is in all this agony and pain, and, uh, you know, nails in his hands, and uh, he had went through the praetorium where they shoved these crown of thorns on his head, uh, science science says medical study says that that type of pain it would cause the worst migraine you've ever had he was He was stripped and made fun of, and they were whipping him and uh, laughing at him, selling his clothes, and the degradation of that and he said not a word. He finally got to the cross, and here he is, just you know going through all the things, and he had seven last statements that are worth looking at i'm not going to study those now or teach you those now, but um, one of them was Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He also told John to take care of his mom. He told God, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He told the Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He also forgave the thief on the cross. Like he almost stopped dying for a second, just to look over and forgive that brother. I mean, God, So there's a lot of power in forgiveness. Uh, Cicero, a a Roman historian, said that in the time when they were crucified, people, that they would cut the tongue out of the person being crucified because of the blasphemous words that they would hurl, just the pain and agony of it. And they they couldn't take it, so they would cut their tongue out. But they didn't with Jesus because he was speaking. and, And it was because he... He he wasn't blaspheming anyone. He He was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. Please, wake up. It was his desire to forgive. Okay? So before all that happened, Peter went up to the Lord one day, and this is what he said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus. That's right. Good job back there, giving them a hand. That's perfect. That was, that was a late entry. And um, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, you got to understand, okay? Jewish law, back in those days, most the mindset of most is that you had to forgive three times. So Peter's throwing out this arbitrary number of seven. So I think he was trying to impress the Lord. I think he thought Jesus was going to go, whoa, Peter, you really got it going on. So he's like, seven times? He might have just had a fight with Andrew. We don't know. And uh, and Jesus said, no, it's not seven times. In fact, uh, Jesus said, "Uh, no, I I tell you, uh, bro, uh, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. Now, what you got to know is the Lord was not using math at the time, although it sounds a lot like math, but he wasn't trying to say 490 times. Because if you know how many times you've forgiven, then you haven't forgiven. And and it's very, very important that that you understand what he was trying to say, but when he told Peter that, Peter, I just believe in in my, my heart that Peter was just like, What? What? So Jesus broke out into a parable. I said earlier today, a parable is nothing more than a story. And what he would do is tell a story of something that you would get so he could teach you something that you haven't, you don't understand yet. So he broke out into this story. And this story, now let me just give you a tip. This story is going to be related to your relationship with the Lord. And in the middle of it all, you're going to see a major debt forgiven something forgiven, and then you're going to see this cat go out. It's a guy, and he goes out, and he is just forgiven this huge amount of money, this debt that he could never pay, and I want you to see what he did. And then I want you to remember the amount of forgiveness that was given to you because you're not going to get the rest if you don't know that. So look what happened. Jesus said, okay, Peter, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, like a cow looking at a new gate. And you're just like, so let me explain it to you. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the settlement, and a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Look at me, 10,000 talents, in today's monetary value is 12 million bucks. Okay? And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold to repay the debt. It's crazy times that they lived in. But basically, it was $12 million that he owed, and uh, it's a major problem. So in verse 26, it says, The servant fell. Think about the time when you ask God to forgive you. The servant fell on his knees before him, and he said... Be patient with me, babe. I'll pay you back, bro. Everything, man. And the servant's master took pity on him, meaning he gave him compassion. And he canceled the debt and let him go. Dang. That's a good day, right? All right. Here's three reasons God commands you to forgive. Write these down. Number one, remember because I have been forgiven by God. I have been forgiven by God. I have been forgiven by God. If, if you had just been... Think about this for a second. If you had just been forgiven... $12 million. And the point is not how much... As much as you need to know... It was more than this person could ever pay. So let's say you're worth a billion dollars... Then let's just call this... $432.5 billion. Okay? It's more than you could pay. And you would think that somebody who was just forgiven... Something that they could not, because they could have killed him. They could have put him in prison. Just a, a plethora of different things. And he was just forgiven. Like It's like, it's over. You would think somebody who was just forgiven that uh, would change. In the very next moment, it's not like the, a month later, 18 years later, is like, forgiven, walk outside, and look what happened. But when that servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Not a hundred denales. A hundred denarii. Do you know how much that is? He was just forgiven 12 million. Now you see somebody who owes him a hundred denarii. You know how much that is? 17 bucks. All right, so let's get this. The Bible says that he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Because Roman law said you could choke people who owed you money. Now, I think we should bring that back. (laughs) Did I get off track? Yes. So he's like, pay back what you owe me. (laughs) And his fellow servant fell down. Do you see a repeat performance? He had just gotten off his knees begging. Now this brother, his fellow fellow servant, fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, bruh. I'll pay you back, dude. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. What is going on here? Why would someone who had been forgiven $12 million choke someone the minute later who owes him 17 bucks? I think it's because he didn't really feel like he was forgiven. Maybe he thought the king would change his mind and he would have to pay it back 17 bucks at a time. This is a huge thing to know because you're not going to be one that gives forgiveness if you don't really feel like you have been forgiven. Like you lose that position of what you do, you love me, You forgive me? What, what? If you forget that, it's like, who's hurting me around here? Look at this post. Look at that statement. They said they would and they didn't. $17. Mistakes everywhere around us. But maybe nothing like the debt that we owe. Again, I'm not diluting something powerful that happened to you. I'm just speaking to you about being strong in Christ. Earlier today, I was talking about how a lot of times in our swag, like we will go into the Lord, like, oh, I know the Lord loves me. And then you start getting weary. Like if I pulled you into my office, this is how I should say it. If I pulled you in, into uh, Aaron's office and back here, which he doesn't really have an office, like, like <laughs> they even know about that little spy. <laughs> okay, and you got to go through a cabinet. It's like it's in here. No, I don't want to meet in there. And then he he opened up, and it was actually a room in there. And it's, it was two by three feet wide, but it was a room. And uh, but if I brought you in there, and I wouldn't, <laughs> you would be threatened if you'd be like, this is weird being in here with somebody. Uh, but but in that room, if you had to get honest with me, you would probably tell me something like, because uh, this is the way people are wired. He would say, you know, I feel like the Lord loves me, but there's a few things that I've done in my life, and I just, I can't get over it. I just don't know if he really forgave me of this. The Bible says when you do that, it's like crucifying the Lord all over again. Like I said earlier today, it's like you're saying, the cross is amazing, but it really wasn't enough. There's a lot of pride involved in that, honestly. Okay? So, number two, resentment, it doesn't even work. Now, I'm going to tell you what resentment is, okay? Resentment, when you hate someone because of what they have done, it seems like you're getting them back. But what it is, and this is worth writing down, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Okay? I'm going to prove this to you scripturally in just a minute. And again, no one is going to really pay attention to me until I tell you what forgiveness is not. But in verse 33, the king found out about it. Like he had just forgiven him $12 million. king found out he was choking somebody for 17 bucks, And look what happened. Shouldn't you, this is Jesus thinking about me when I'm bitter. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just like I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't like that verse. But the servant's rage and unforgiveness, it ticked off the king. The king forgave the debt, but he couldn't forgive the bitterness. There's a verse in Job chapter 21. It says, some people stay happy until the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. Why? Because they live and die with bitter hearts. It's like a self-imposed prison. It's like this. No one's going to ever hurt me again. I'm sick of this. No one's going to ever hurt me again. And the truth is, they just did. Because you're putting walls up and you're not made by God to live that way. The scripture says you confess your sins to God and he will forgive you. How many of you love that about him? But it says if you confess your sins one to another, you'll be healed. When Aaron falls into, maybe he's disgruntled or having a bad day, he doesn't just repent to the Lord, he tells me the rest of the story. I don't know if he's always been that way, but that's the way he is now. You ask God to forgive you, he gives you forgiveness. But you ask, tell somebody else about your sin and you'll be healed. We have a lot of people who are forgiven, but they're very sick because they're living on an island. There's a bayou in Louisiana called Bayou Self. <laughs> and I want to tell you, there's some real freaks live on that. Number three, forgiveness given, given is forgiveness received. Listen to this verse. We don't have it all up there because this is a late-entry sermon. But in Matthew, look what it says. Jesus said this. For if you forgive men or women... It's talking about mankind. When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men or women of their sins... Your father will not forgive you of your sins. What? That's ridiculous. Okay. Yes, it is if you don't know what forgiveness is. So I'm going to tell you what forgiveness is not, so you'll know what it is. Because you really can't get it if you don't know what it is. So let me help you. Forgiveness is not demeaning The power of it. Like a lot of people go, I guess I do need to forgive. It wasn't that big a deal. Oh, no, 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 no. It was a big deal. You still remember it. You think about it often. It was a big deal. So don't try to minimize it. Joseph, Joseph, he like he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Was going to be murdered. Ended up in Potiphar's house. He was doing incredible work. This brother was so faithful to God. And Potiphar's wife thought he was attractive. And she tried to get him to sleep with her. And so he wouldn't. It ticked her off. So she lied about him to a lot of people. As far as we know, she went to her grave thinking she got away with that lie. But it was written in the most popular book ever written or or read. The truth. But this brother went into prison for it, finally got taken out. It's a long story, but he's like second in command over all the land. And here his brothers are brought in in a famine right in front of him. They don't even recognize who it is. And he sees it as his brother. He had the power to kill them. When you're bitter, you have better days when someone's hurting who you do not like. They get, lose their job? Like, yeah. They get cancer? Yeah, they get a promotion. They're going to regret that. He had all the power, and he looked at them. He did not demean it. He looked at them, and he said, listen, what you guys, I'm your brother. And they're like, we're dead. And he said, listen, what you did to me, you meant it for harm. But God meant it for good. Let's go. All right? He didn't demean it. But here's a better one. The reason why a lot of people do not forgive is because they don't know what it is. They think it's trust. Now, this is is back to your abuse. Let me just encourage you. Forgiveness is not trust. Trust could be re-earned. Oftentimes, this is possible. Do you trust anybody now that there was a time where you didn't? Probably so. But trust may never be re-earned. Trust is a process. It takes time, but forgiveness is instantaneously. So so I think it's very important you understand. Uh, This is not a sermon on trust. This is a sermon on forgiveness. Do you think when the Lord forgave you that he trusted you were never going to hurt him again? Zero chance. And if you don't remember that, here's where it really goes south. You might be thinking, man, uh, this is a good sermon for different people uh, or even a good sermon for you. But I think what you need to understand, some people need to hear this sermon on forgiving others because of what you have done to others. We don't remember that as well. Maybe they don't trust you and they hate you. So if they came to me and asked, my opinion would be, Let's forgive them right now. Trust may or may not be re-earned. It's not even part of the talk that's important. Are you all with me? So should you trust again? Like if you're married to someone or a kid or your, your dad, a trust has to be considered over and over again. But that's not my topic today. It is it's definitely just forgiving other people. So number one, how do you forgive? Here's a huge point And uh, and, gosh, I can't wait to talk about this one because it's admit my own imperfections. Again, raise your hand if you've ever hurt anybody. Look at the mean-spirited people coming to this church. (laughs) We should call it coastline cut-your-throat church. (laughs) Proverbs, whoever conceals their sins do not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounce it and admits it, they'll find mercy. Okay? Here's this woman who was in adultery. All right, let's go with something that everybody understands. Okay, she was caught in adultery in the Old Testament. I want you to see how Jesus deals with stuff versus the way a religious mindset deals with stuff. Let's look at how Jesus can forgive and how religious people, they, they, just, they feel like it's righteous indignation to hold bitterness. All right. So this woman's caught in adultery, and the law said, old covenant, that when they were, they are. You 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 stone them, you kill them in the city streets. So she's probably naked, thrown at the feet of Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus. They, they just they just thought they were so smooth. You can't trap Jesus. All right. So they're like, we got him now. So they put him. They put this lady there, and. Uh, First of all, they didn't know how much Jesus had compassion for this lady in this place. So they said, Jesus, you know the law. We have to kill her. She was caught. And Jesus is so smooth. He's like, yeah, you're right. He said, we got to kill her. So let's do so. He said, but let's do it this way. Let's let the one of you who's without any sin throw the first rock. And then he said, oh, yeah, and he wrote in the ground twice. We don't know what he wrote, but don't you want to know what he wrote? <laughs> he just wrote something like, holy crud. <laughs> you know? And Billy Graham said, it's the only sermon that Jesus ever wrote. So he's just writing, and they saw it. But I want you to see this. These bitter religious people, the ones who needed Jesus the most, dropped the rocks and ran. They should have dropped the rocks and knelt. So they're all gone. This lady's having a really bad day, right? She's probably in a fetal position, thinking about where's the first rock going to hit. And I hope the first rock kills me. She's humiliated. But she had never met Jesus. So she's still there. So Jesus said, ma'am, where are those People who condemn you now. And she looked around. She's still trying to figure it all out. She knows that they're gone, but she doesn't know if Jesus is good at throwing rocks. (laughs) So she said, he goes, where are they? Where are those that condemn you now? She said, they gone. (laughs) Okay, and they were. But then Jesus said, hey, and neither do I condemn you. But this is the huge part. He said, like, I forgive you but now go and sin no more. Okay? There's no chance that woman went back into adultery cuz nothing can compete with being close to the Lord knowing that you're forgiven. And the best way to lose that attachment is by being a bitter person who keeps score with everybody around you. Are you guys tracking with me today? Number two, abandon my right to get even. Gosh, I could just talk to you so much about different times in ministry. I've had so many people just get mean-spirited. and I can't even tell you how many times I have written out a post and almost posted it just because of anger and bitterness. So what I'll do is I'll write it and then go and get on my knees and say, Lord, is this of you? Or am I just trying to act like I got it going on? You know how many people feel like that after they post that it's going to heal the entire world? (laughs) And then the trolls come in like demons. (sighs) And he's like, I wish I wouldn't have posted that. Preach. Are you all with me on this stuff? My God. Number three, and the last point. Apply God's grace to my life and future. One of the loudest things that I have ever heard in my life is just the volume of hate and bitterness. It's just so loud. And the reason why that's a problem is because the Holy Spirit has a very quiet voice. Some of you, because of this topic, maybe other things, but you haven't heard the Lord's voice in a long time. You're just in a real dry and weary place. And so this sermon is for you. And I just don't think it's a healthy way to live. Uh, in my home, we're loud people, we're cajun people. And I'm speaking kind of soft tonight. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> But we're loud, man. We eat loud. We tell jokes loud. We just, everything loud. But I have one little kid, Grace, and she's a whisperer. And so she doesn't, I don't know how she fits into the family, really. Because we're being loud. And all of a sudden you hear. Is there a mosquito got up in the house? And then we realize it's Grace, and we have to get close to Grace and say, Did you say something? Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to say hello. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, thanks for telling us that. And then we're going back and we're loud. Uh, here, here's the biggest beef I have about being in the ministry. I've been in ministry for 33 years, and for some odd reason, it's really hard for me to hear the voice of God. I just don't do that well. If it's a sermon, if it's vision, if it's prayer, most of the time when I pray, I don't hear anything from the Lord. So what I've learned, though, is that that craving has caused me to have more of a prayer life, because I really love it when I do. But the problem is is that His voice is still. Now Old Testament, it says it wasn't in the thunder, it wasn't in the fire, the earthquake or the wind, it was in the whisper. And then the Holy Spirit is described as a still small voice. Here's what I've learned. The reason why he speaks so softly is because you have to be in close proximity. To hear a whisper. And he wants you close by. Okay. Person who I've met in my life. And then I'm out of here. Who is the most forgiving person ever. Would be my mama B. Papa B was pretty tough man. And. I could get into details about that. But she was just so much like Christ. I mean. Every time I had a problem in my life, I would always, she's in heaven now, but I would always just, if I could just get the mama to have her pray over me. When she went to die, a lot of people were fighting for all of her stuff. And and, uh, I just wanted that prayer blanket she would put over her knees. And I thought if I could have that. So I told everybody in the family for years, y'all can have it all. I want that prayer blanket. One time she said she lost it, and I was mad at her. She found it. I helped her find it. So if you would go to her home, she would always be on the front porch if she knew you were coming and just waiting. And when you would go to leave, she's a Cajun woman. she oh, Rick, how you doing, Sha? <laughs> she would make this chicken. Oh, man. So when you would go to leave, she would be out on the porch just waving and you ever called her house she would answer the phone Jesus loves you I sure know that much <laughs> sweet she would lead more people to the Lord by accident than most people I know deliberately so when we went to plant our church in Arkansas you know it's just hard being a pastor and that's why I pray for you so much and nobody in this room gets it like it just can be hard it's a really lonely at times So I went to plant this church, and I thought, man, I'm just not ready. I'm nervous. I'm going to be the world's worst pastor. But I need to have my mama pray over me. If she just would pray over me before the first service, I think I can make it. Mm -hmm. Problem is, she was dying with cancer. She was down to less than 100 pounds. So I called her on the phone, and I said, She answered, well, Jesus loves you. I sure know that. And I said, Mama, it's Rick. Oh, Rick. Oh, Rick. I've been praying for you. I said, Mama, listen, our first service is going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning on February the 4th. And I sure would like for you to come to that service. I'll have somebody come pick you up. And I know you don't feel good, but if you could pray for me right before the service, I think I'll be ready. And she said, oh, Rick, I I can't do it. I haven't left the house in a month. She said, I'm so sick, I I can't even make on biscuits. And I said, I didn't want her to feel bad. So I said, that's all right, Mama. you can pray from there, right? Oh, Rick, I'll pray from here. I just know I would do that. So she prayed for me even on the phone that day, and I hung up the phone three or four weeks later, I think, I don't remember the timeline. It was our very first service, about 20 minutes before the first service, and there was a knock on our door. I was in a very small office, 20 times bigger than yours.
2: <laughs>
1: Y'all need to help the brother out, office. <laughs> so. It's got a massage-like chair. You sit in it, but it's so small, it can't vibrate. It hits the walls. So so about 20 minutes, 20 minutes for the first service, there was a knock on the door, and I said, come in. And I'll never forget when that door opened. And it was my frail grandmother, 85 pounds, big smile on her face she said oh I just had to come I just couldn't believe it she prayed over me and I felt the presence of God with me and and I, I don't think it was just because she loved the Lord I think it was because she loved people and she decided I'm just not gonna live bitter I'm just not going to wear that and I'm going to tell you the people who have the most zeal and the most anointing and know the word the most are achieving life I mean you can see bitterness on people now like crazy and it's a weight that easily entangles and I just want to tell you I get the pain that happens to people but you might have forgotten about the $12 million that you were forgiven of. And it's just not worth it. Pointing at 17 buck mistakes. So let's be forgivers, deal? Bow your heads. If Mama was here, she'd say, Oh, church, please forgive. goodness, there's marriages in this place that are broken with a lot of unforgiveness. There's people that have been hurt at church, a place where you thought it was safe and you got hit. It might have happened a long time ago. It could have happened here. It might have happened this morning. Sometimes at work, you know, you have these dreams and people just kill them. You said these vows, I'm going to be married the rest of my life. And Three marriages later, I mean, you still don't know if you can make it. You did so well with your budget, now your finances are in a mess just because you trusted somebody and they ripped you off. It could be a relative. It's always people that love you the most or you love the most. You let them close and then they can just crush you. I'm just telling you, this could be a time where you, you're just never the same. One moment in the presence of God, it can it heal you forever. And these are crazy times. I think we're in the end times. Let's get this right. And I need a lot of forgiveness in my life. And he said, the same amount of forgiveness that you give to other people, I'm going to give to you. That verse right there is enough for me. all around this room if you're in a place where you need to forgive someone else or you're in a place where you hurt someone I want you to settle this in fact everybody in this room just stand up everybody everybody in this room Lord, I'll never forget what it was like when my grandmother showed up I had to come but why it was so good Lord was because of the price she paid to get to me but when I think about you and the price you paid to get to us wow and I know that all of hell would like to divert our attention over to something else other than that. How incredibly strong that person would have been who was forgiven 12 million if he'd have walked out and saw that brother and said, it's alright, man. It's alright. I forgive you. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. That's just a greater way to live. So Lord, we ask that you make this whole room an altar. By the way, everybody, I just want you to know an altar is really a place that what's alive in you that shouldn't be dies at the altar. And you never pick it up again. The scripture says to cast your sins and your cares upon the Lord. It's not like casting a rod and reel like fishing. It's just bring it to the altar, drop it, don't pick it up. So we're just dedicating this whole place as an altar. You don't even have to come to the front. But you can some of you you miss the Lord so much, like you just really want to have a great relationship with him, like my mama B did. Lord was so sorry for how different we have become at times than you. And we want to be Christians, Christ-like. We're never going to be perfect, but we can be. We can have the fruit of your spirit, love and kindness and joy and peace and self-control. We just want to be something like you. Lord, I pray that we can live a life with so much joy and forgiveness that we can accidentally lead people to your name like a cute baby at a store or everybody goes over to it and says, look how cute. Lord, I pray that people will come over to us and say there's something about you. Not so we can have attention, so we can brag about you. Yeah, I'm different now because I was a bitter person full of anger and I don't even hardly remember what that was like now. Move Holy Spirit in this church. Let this church be a lighthouse to the city where we can help people and, and see people healed. Lord, please don't make this the best church in town, but make it the church that's like you the most. Lord, I ask that you move about and if people walk into this place, they will be healed by your name, fed by your word, empowered by your spirit. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we want it all. So Holy Spirit, if you're going to move in these last days, then make us a vessel that you want to start in first. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just not clap or anything. Let's just go right into worship. But I want you to worship the Lord. I felt like the Lord just touched me. up Wow.
0: We're gonna move right into worship. What I would like to do is there's some of you that you need to respond tonight. And we have a prayer team through our freedom groups. If you've ever been on the prayer team in one of our freedom groups, I wanna invite you to come and take a position up in the front. These are men and women who are trained to pray with you to let go of areas of of forgiveness and needs in your heart and life. They've been trained doing this. And many of you tonight, it's, it's not enough to just try to respond on your own. As Pastor Rick said, we need each other and so if there's an area that you need to let go of tonight there is somebody you need to forgive tonight i want you to take a step and come men pray with men women pray with women but come and join with somebody on our prayer team tonight and let them while we sing this song lead you to let go to forgive and to break free of that old bitterness that has held you back from everything god has for you we're going to go right into the song of worship The altar is open. The prayer team is available. Just begin to make your way and have somebody stand with you in prayer tonight.
2: Right now, begin to come.
0: the prayer team to stay a little bit longer to make sure everyone has a chance to receive prayer. Don't miss this opportunity. I know some of you, you've got that, that burning in your heart where you know you need to come forward and you really want to come forward. But for whatever reason, something's holding you back. Don't wait. Don't wait. You can let it go tonight. You can lay it down. You can walk out of here different continue to worship. If that's you, come forward and stand with someone. Let them pray with you and let that thing be broken off of your life tonight.
1: up to and they were like a mentor of mine and, uh, just a lot of a lot of strength inside this family and this, this man and, and one day uh, i was reading and i found out that this man was a fraud and and it's a negative story but it crushed me and i just went into just like this funk And uh, so I spent like 24 hours just in my room a lot. I I would walk outside for a little here and there, but just spending a lot of time in my room. And my wife called someone on the phone and said, something's wrong with my husband, Rick, and uh, a man named Billy Hornsby called me on the phone. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just so angry. I can't believe this i remember looking at the wall just thinking i'm going to punch my hand through this wall was that angry and of course i could have look at this arm and uh but i I remember thinking uh, i'm never going to be able to forgive this person and billy hornsby who's a tough coach type guy he called he said get your butt up and serve jesus it's enough already You look weak to me and weak to Satan. So get up, repent, and let's go. And it was like he shocked me into um, reality that I was on the wrong track. I could still be there. Maybe I would have made it another day. I I don't know. But I do know that that particular day in hindsight was one of the miserable times of my whole life. They say you can't remember pain but I, for some reason I can remember that and, uh, and it was tough so I don't know what to do with that information for you but I'm just looking at you and some of you you're wallowing around in a lot of thick clay need to get up and get out he got up out of that grave and he got out you can get up and you can get out you don't have to stay it's not take another lap let's go we got stuff to do he's a powerful god and let's just go let's go get up get your butt up and uh and let's serve the lord with all of our heart soul and strength amen so i don't know what's next i'm really not good at this kind of stuff that good I'll give it to the pastor. That's always a good
0: call. Is that awesome? I love these nights where the Holy Spirit shows up and messes up the agenda, messes up the time frame, rearranges everything on us. We have we have another thing planned after this, and I know we're running into that, but you know what? It was worth it. It was worth God to show up and do something special in our hearts tonight. feel like this weekend was the closing of a chapter and the opening of a brand new chapter for our church. A validation. So let's just, let's go into the chorus one more time of this song. It's a great way to close. Let's just, let's lift our voices together. Let's worship God together. Let's sing this out together and then we'll be dismissed.
2: For more of these, huh? I love it. Well, church, have a great night. We love you guys and we will see you soon. Take care.